Breadbox Media Programming is brought to you by Jack Kane Ford. Find your next Ford Tough vehicle at KaneFord.com. Woodhill Community Center. Have a hand in the heart of the city. Support their mission with your donations at WoodhillCommunityCenter.org. Toyota on Nicholasville Superstore. Online consultants are standing by right now to help you find your next Toyota. Visit ToyotaOnNicholasville.com. Lexus of Lexington. Home of the best-selling Lexus IS. Find yours today at LexusOfLexington.com. It's time for the Catholic Hipster Podcast with my dad, Tommy. And our friend, Sarah. I hope you like it. What up, everybody, and welcome to episode 26 of the Catholic Hipster Podcast. My name is Tommy Ty from the San Francisco Bay Area and way across the country in sweet Georgia. It's Sarah Vabulous. Sweet Georgia. I like that. I like is that. Is it sweet? It's sweet. There's peaches, right? Yes. Um, <laughs> yes. It, and it's almost peach season. And by almost, Ooh. I mean f- five months away. But whatever. It doesn't matter. Is it? Is it like everything? Like, oh, there's peach smoothies and peach this and peach that? Like, or not really? Yes. During um, <laughs> July and August, yeah, it's like all peaches all the time, especially in my in my house because I'm in charge of everything because I live alone. <laughs> so <laughs> you are great. the boss. <laughs> so in my house, so I love peaches. They are my favorite summer fruit. So I always have peaches around when it's peach season. And I saw some the other day at the, um, at Whole Foods, but they were not from America. I think they were from South America or something. So I don't know if that counts. Still counts. Yeah. Why not I didn't buy them, but Oh. They were too expensive. Well, they're yeah, they're they they're way more expensive. When it's peak peach season here, I can get them for like a a dollar, dollar fifty a pound. So I'm not I'm not gonna pay like four dollars a pound. I refuse. <laughs> <laughs> so Sarah, we're four days into Lent. We're recording this four days into Lent. How's it going for you? Oh my gosh, it is four days already. Um Lent is hard. I gave up sugar. What? Explain how you're giving up sugar. Like all, what does that like mean? as much sugar as I possibly can give up. So no desserts, no candies, no sweetener in my coffee. Um, just, just nothing. You know, I read labels and I met. I'm like, do is there too much sugar in this food for me to eat it? Just trying to give up sugar. <laughs> wow, that is commendable, man. It's I mean, hard. I just ate an entire gigantic bag of Skittles last night, so <laughs> I, I, I think that would be very hard. <laughs> Thank you. No, I mean, within reason, I, that some things you just can't escape, that some things have a little bit of sugar in them, but, you know, what what do you do? You got to, yeah. Obviously, when you can't uh, give up peaches, right? I mean, That's right. Now, I can have, like, my strawberries that I have in the fridge, because Florida strawberries are back. Um, but uh, mm. it's just... the crux of why I did this is a number of things like number one I realized I had a sugar addiction because I ordered a cappuccino a week ago and I used to love them so much and I took my first sip and I said this isn't sweet enough and I was like this is pathetic I'm I'm addicted to sugar um and it's just really hard to give up um and so many people have good sweets during Lent um because they're the devil so um I knew this would be a challenge (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's awesome and it's st patrick's it is, day yeah. you know st patrick's day is smack in the middle so that means i can't have a, a shamrock shake from mcdonald's and that's i love those the shamrock shake have you ever had one I, yeah, oh my gosh oh. when my wife and i were still dating we would meet at her apartment for lunch every day um during work and like i would i was there shamrock shake filet of fish french fries 
Yeah, Boom. it's like the Lenten meal of all American Catholics. <laughs> <laughs> we used to, I'll never forget, I'm sure lots of Catholics have this experience where we would go to McDonald's when I was a kid through the drive through to get filet of fish and we'd be like, okay, we need like eight filet of fish and they'd be like, okay, pull up ahead and like park your car and we'll bring them out as soon as they're ready. <laughs> <laughs> well, what are you doing for Lent? I'm doing um, alcohol, coffee, and Netflix. That's the little... Okay. Wow. And you said that I, it was tough for me with sugar. Those are hard too, man. That's probably, I said that probably because I've replaced my need for coffee and alcohol and Netflix with just eating copious amounts of sugar. Oh, okay. Fair <laughs> enough. Fair enough. Well, I'm been, drinking... So I'm like, how could you give up sugar? My God. Because <laughs> I still have black coffee. That's how. <laughs> oh God. It was, I'll tell you, this was the hardest wake up for me for a Catholic hipster podcast because I was just drinking water and it was pathetic. <laughs> So if you add, if you warm up your water and add a little bit of lemon to it, it, it should um, help boost your metabolism and get your blood flowing. This is the kind of quality content you get on this podcast. You don't get anywhere else on any Catholic podcast, not on Catching Foxes, not on Pints with Aquinas. The Crunch. <laughs> yeah, definitely not on The Crunch. <laughs> uh, so we had a fun week this week with, um, with some stuff going on on Twitter. Um, someone put up all of their favorite podcasts and they paired us up against catching foxes so take that luke that's right we <laughs> officially became official rivals i think with them is what happened right <laughs> it's on yeah luke and gomer were coming for you bros <laughs> and there was something about wrestling arm wrestling and beer pong did i read that right Let's do this. I think you could take them both down, Sarah. No joke. <laughs> yeah, apparently Luke wants to be on my team and put Michael on your team. So uh, uh, well, we're like splitting up. I see. Well, he picks he picks the <laughs> the winner wisely, I guess. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, Lent. It's it's Lent time, so that means we have to wait on our beer pong for you till after Lent. That's right. I could do root beer pong. That would be Oh yeah. Be cool. I love root beer. Uh, but I can't have root beer. It's got sugar. <laughs> <laughs> oh come on we are not fun this is the not fun lenten podcast just everyone hit delete right now why are you still here <laughs> they're still here because we have sister Teresa from the daughters of saint paul she's gonna be our guest today i know i'm and so when, excited when we get media nuns i mean we get it's just fun we get all the clicks all the listens everyone wants to hear what the fsp are doing because they're the greatest Oh, well, yeah. I mean, who who doesn't love them? Don't answer that if you don't. <laughs> if you don't, get off this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, um, I think we're we're ready to have her on, right? Let's right? do this. Yeah. Awesome. We'll be All right, right so <laughs> <laughs> We're so awkward, you guys. Tommy and I both have colds, so we're really sorry for the awkwardness that will occur for the next 25 minutes. But you know, one of the reviews that we got on, on iTunes did say they appreciated us being uh, free with our awkwardness. So, you know. Oh, wait. People review us on iTunes? Hey, people leave <laughs> us reviews on iTunes. These are things I don't look at. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, Sarah. I know I'm terrible. All right. We'll be right back. I think it's time for a break now. Now back to Welcome back, everybody. Hopefully you enjoyed that break with my kids talking. It's so weird to hear them, Sarah, because that was like a while ago, like a year and a half ago, and they don't sound like that anymore. But it's very 
it's a nice throwback. So we are so excited. We're bringing our total count of FSP on the podcast to. You guys are taking over. (laughs) (laughs) We've had more FSP on this podcast than any other religious. That's something I can definitely say uh, completely. But lay people are still winning, unfortunately. We have Sister Teresa of the Daughters of St. Paul. How are you, Sister Teresa? Thanks for joining us. I'm good. Yeah. Thanks for having me on, Tommy. It's it's always great to to uh, kind of meet my Twitter friends, at least. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. We get to right now. We're staring at your picture. What like the same picture we see of you all the time on the internet? But at least there's like sound waves emanating from the picture. So it seems like we're kind of hanging out almost. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Another step. <laughs> So, um, why don't you tell us about, how about we start off by telling us about the Daughters of St. Paul? I'd be shocked if there's people listening to this podcast who don't know about the Daughters of St. Paul, but who are you guys and what's going on with you guys? Sure. Well, we were um, started by Blessed James Alberione, and he had the inspiration to start the Daughters of St. Paul when he was a seminarian, and he was at the turn of of the last century. he of the 20th century, he um, was in prayer before the Blessed Sacrament, and he uh, he felt God calling him to do something for the people of the new century. And he didn't know what that was, but he he felt inspired to do something that was related to media, and because it was it was around the time when books were just starting to get printed on a on a larger basis, and he he had this almost prophetic um, sense that that media was going to change and the church needed to be on board with it. Because at the time that that he got this inspiration, the church kind of had a defensive stance against media. And so it was more like, no, don't read that. No, no, no. And he he said that that really the church needs to have a more positive stance. It needs to, sure, there's a lot of bad in media, but the church needs to see it as um, as it's our responsibility to kind of be this, this gushing forth of good uh, in the media. And so that's kind of what the Daughters of St. Paul were founded for, so that we could spread the gospel using modern media. And at the time of our founding, that was books, but now it's Twitter and Instagram and Snapchat. So you'll see our sisters on all forms of media. And you sure will. They're probably some of the most popular people on social media that I can think of. That's for sure. Oh, for sure. And I think it's really cool. I mean, one of the cool things is that when there's stuff that comes up in the culture in terms of media where a lot of Catholics are like, ah, we have to avoid this. It's really neat to see the Daughters of St. Paul like, no, we're supposed to engage the culture and sort of um, see what's good about it and kind of, you know, approach it in that way. And I think that's such a fresh perspective that a lot of Catholics need to have. It is. And, and, you know, it is the church's perspective now. She's really changed her in the church documents. She's really changed her stance about media. But a lot of people haven't. And, and I, I hadn't when I joined, when I started looking into the Daughters of St. Paul, it was kind of a, uh, even though I worked in IT, I was kind of a Luddite. I didn't really want to get a new cell phone. I didn't want to get a smartphone. I, I really wasn't into technology. I had this kind of suspicious stance towards um, lots of media and a lot of people have that. And I think, I think that is the gift that the daughters of St. Paul can be to, to the culture and also to Catholics to really look for the good in what's out there. Cause there really is a lot of good. 
there is surprising people. It's okay. You're, the media is not as bad as everyone says. <laughs> sometimes. I, sometimes. <laughs> sometimes it is. That's true. Sometimes it is. And it's like, you guys do so many cool things. I can even say my wife and I, we gave up Netflix for Lent. So we were sitting on the couch trying to figure out, you know, what could we do? And my wife wanted to have a movie review and boom, we're listening to sister Helena Burns's movie review of the shack on the couch last night. So it's like, you guys are an incredible source of entertainment for us. Oh yeah. Especially sister Helena, her movie reviews are pretty awesome. How does she talk that fast? I ha I need to know the secret. Is it just lots of coffee or is it, it's fake. Yeah. It's sped up, isn't it? It's, it's just, she's just this well of, of unending energy. It's amazing. <laughs> that it is seem that way. so true. So um, I had the joy of spending some time with Sister Helena, and she drove me around in the van in Chicago, and I thought I was going to die. Yes. <laughs> yeah. You know, sir, had I known that you were going to get in a car with Sister Helena, I would have warned you. <laughs> I didn't know that was going to be the case either, but, you know, life happens. So there were yeah. there were many Hail Marys said. So I yeah. really hope that some souls in purgatory made it into heaven during that time. She, she brings people <laughs> to God through the media and through her driving. <laughs> <laughs> That is fantastic. That is the new evangelization right there. Oh, totally. <laughs> Another excuse to drive like crazy. <laughs> so, Sister Teresa, you used to be an atheist. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. What in the world? Can you walk us on how you go from an atheist to now sitting in front of a computer wearing a habit talking to us on the internet? I know. It's pretty crazy. Every once in a while, I'm just like, what? What am I doing? This is nuts. But um, I, I, I became an atheist when I was 14. I was pretty serious about it. I told my parents, this is it. I don't, I don't believe in God. I don't want to go to church. And I was pretty thoughtful about it. I, I had thought a lot about it. Um, were you raised Catholic? Was I, was, Catholic I was raised Catholic. I was raised uh -huh. very Catholic. My parents were very faithful. Um, my mother really brought the the church into the home so the liturgical season was kind of happening in our home at the same time that we were going to church um my dad is a theologian so he had all the right answers for me but i still just i didn't i didn't feel satisfied um with the answer to the problem of suffering and i also was really turned off by some things that i had seen in the church uh some people acting hypocritically and uncharitably. And I really thought to myself, you know, if this is what being Catholic gets you, I think I can do better on my own. I think I can be, because it was important to me to become a good person. But I just thought, you know, I think I can do this by myself. Hmm. Yeah, I think that's a really strong, uh, strong thing. I mean, the problem of suffering and of evil is, is an intense one that probably challenges everybody, I would think. Yeah, I think I think a lot of atheists, when you ask them why they're atheists, that's very often one of the first things that comes up. It's hard to believe in a loving God with so many terrible things happening in the world. So um, it's understandable. I can relate to atheists who feel that way. And I think like for me, when I think about that, it doesn't seem like there's an answer, right? Like there's not really like an adequate, like, well, here's the scripture and the answer that's going to help you with that problem. But more so like, uh, like, yeah, you're right. That does really make it hard to believe in God. And it does seem like it doesn't make any sense. And I can totally empathize with that. Do you think that's like a better approach? 
Yeah, I mean, there's the logical answer. And usually what I say to people is, do you want to hear, you know, the answer that God gave us free will? And, you know, that logical answer, God gave us free will. And if he wanted us to love him freely. And, and so in order for that to happen, he had to allow for the possibility of evil entering the world and sin entering the world. But people, um, you're right, people are very often dissatisfied with that. And I think, um what what the real answer that we have to give people is the way that we live through pain and suffering um and to to live it in a way that is really faithful and and trusting in god because it's really the relationship with jesus christ that makes suffering make sense in our lives the relationship yeah. with god is what makes sense it helps it to make sense so we can just model that for other people and and yeah, just be there with them and be like, you know, I I I don't have all the answers either. I struggle through it too. And if you ever want to ask me any questions, but to lecture them about, you know, the the academic answers to the problem of suffering, unless someone really wants to hear that, I don't think it's helpful. I think you're right. I think they had the power of witness is really uh really the ticket. So what was the spark for you? What what was the thing that turned teenage Teresa into searching back for God and like taking a look again? Well, I started to think about it in college. Um, I, 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 w I went to a college that was connected with Quakerism. So I started to go to Quaker meetings. Um, I was kind of exploring. I took some philosophy classes on Buddhism and I wasn't, I was still an atheist, but I was more I wanted to be an educated atheist, you know, like I knew all, all the options out there and I rejected all of them. So that was my my pretense for exploring. But um, but it became an, a, a genuine exploration. And uh, after college, I was a teacher at for Teach for America. And so I was I was in a really difficult inner city situation. And it was it was the first time I think that I was faced with something that I couldn't I didn't feel like I could do by myself. So I just started to um, to explore more, more with with more heart and more. I I, I think because um, when I was dealing with my kids, they were in third grade and a lot of them couldn't read and they needed to read by the end of the year. And these kids didn't just need to learn how to read; they needed they needed so much more from me. And I I saw myself in a really kind of um uh realistic light i was impatient i was i wasn't loving i you know there was all these things that needed to change about me so that i could be a better person for my kids and um and so i started to realize that i needed to change but i couldn't do that by myself so it kind of went back to that that time when i was 14 where i, I really wanted to be a good person but i think um that that situation um, my teaching situation helps me to face the fact that I couldn't make myself a good person by myself. So I needed to find something outside of myself to help me. And so that kind of opened me up to spirituality. But then um, I had a conversion experience when I was in Costa Rica. And after I stopped teaching, I, I was traveling a lot. I was, I was um, going around and I was in this rural area of Costa Rica, just working on a farm. I was there for three months. I just would wake up early in the morning, work on the farm. I was doing manual labor. It was one of the best months of my life. I had such a great time. 
and I was surrounded by really faith-filled people. And one day I was just walking over to work on the farm. It was early in the morning and I felt this uh, thanksgiving for the beautiful day. It was just like filled with gratitude. And at the same time that I felt this gratitude, there was this huge gust of wind and I felt like one of the trees was going to fall on me. It was like, so I was scared and I was grateful at the same time. But in that moment, I just, I went from not believing in God to believing in God and, and not just believing in God. I met God. I knew that he existed, that he cared about me, that he loved me and that he had a plan for my life. And so that moment, like just changed everything. And that was the start of the road to the convent, which I would have never (laughs) guessed at that moment. (laughs) That is incredible. That's an incredible, I mean, you had your own St. Paul moment right there. Yeah, exactly. It was on a road. It was, at least I was knocked down, but. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Thank goodness you didn't fall off of a horse. (laughs) Right. That's just amazing. So everybody, we are joined, Sarah and I are joined by Sister Teresa, the Daughters of St. Paul, the author of The Prodigal You Love. You should go buy it right now. Can they go buy it at a at a Daughters of St. Paul bookstore near them? Yeah, they can buy it at Pauline Books and Media. It's on Amazon. It's on pauline.org. So yeah. Go to the bookstore, people. It's such a lovely, great Support place. Support I mean, the sisters. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Totally. If there's a Pauline Books and Media near you and you haven't been, you need to go. Yeah. Totally. It's totally awesome. We've made a pilgrimage. Ours is like on the other side of the Bay Area. We've gone there and it's just a cool, it's such a cool place. So when we come back, we're going to talk about Sister Teresa's writing. Uh, she writes for Alatea. She's like the one person that I click on all the links every time I see it. And she wrote something about five ways to reject unhealthy anger. Ooh. Although I'm, I don't, nuns don't get angry, I don't think. I've never seen an angry nun, so I'm sure she'll share with us about that. And we have questions from you guys that you wanted to ask her. And we might put her on the Catholic hipster hot seat. Abridged. Abridged version. <laughs> we'll be right back. All right, now, now is the really fun segment. We got passed through the awkward. So sister, you weren't on for the first segment, but Tommy and I both have colds, so we're really awkward today. We're really sorry. Oh, that's all right. <laughs> excessively so. <laughs> like excessively awkward, like, but yeah, yeah, this is like excessively awkward. I texted a friend and I was like, I'm super awkward today. <laughs> so so it's really hard when you're recognizing your awkwardness, but you can't move past it. So it's a bit like anger, right? Where you know you're so angry <laughs> and good. you don't really know how to deal with it. Um, and we know that recently um, you have um, t- penned an article about how to reject unhealthy anger. Um, I know I tend to have a temper. Um, I will own it. I've been able to um, fight the the urge when I get super angry um, to not do anything about it, um, but would love to hear from you some, um, some ways to reject that and, and talk us through um, what your article is about. Yeah. Um, I have a temper too. I, when I, I, I told someone recently when I first joined the convent, I basically spent like the first year, like fuming. (laughs) (laughs) And I, I, but I've noticed, um, a lot on online. I, I mean, since the election, since Amoris Laetitia, like, I don't know what's going on, but people are just going crazy. Yes. I don't know why it happens, but you get some crazy commenters in your articles. And it's like, your articles are not 
you know, they're they're pretty great and you get really intense people commenting sometimes. I mean, you get great ones, but I've I seen know. you have to deal with some intense ones. Yeah. That's 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 was one of the most difficult things getting used to when I was writing on online is just the comments. But I I've I've learned to take them less personally, but they still upset me sometimes. But, yeah. yeah. You just can't um, ever check. That's the secret. So <laughs> don't ever look in the comment boxes. I, but I'm just too curious. You're one of those daughters of St. Paul. You just can't, I know. can't resist engaging. I know. Exactly. <laughs> but sometimes I, I'm able so to. So your, your first way to reject unhealthy anger was don't blame it. Uh, don't bl wait. Don't bathe in other people's rage. That's me. I'm. I need new contacts. Evidently, I'm looking at my notes, and I <laughs> don't bathe in other people's rage. What What do you mean by that? Yeah, someone said that on social media recently, and I was like, "Oh, that's such a good. That's such good advice." And I was thinking about the people who I follow, and I think sometimes that that little that curiosity that we feel that that need to like be a part of things. <sighs> kind of, um, it, it, we start to follow people who are, who gravitate towards the controversial, but don't just gravitate towards the controversial because that's, you know, that's, I do too, everybody does. But there's some people online and, and not just people, but news sources and, and um, websites that really just have, are focused on their enemies. Mm. And that's, that's what you hear about all the time, whether it's, um, President Trump, whether it's Pope Francis, whether it's liberals, conservatives, you name it, like people have their enemies and they just kind of, it's kind of repeated like criti um, criticisms of these groups or these people. And I, I, I just realized I, I've had enough of it, you know, like I, I can't follow people like that because mm -hmm. it just, it just leads me, me to anger, whether I agree with them or disagree with them. It just, it leads me to this unhealthy um, kind of focus on the negative in my life. And so I I really, I just unfollowed some people that I really admire and I like their writing and I like to, I like to engage with them online, but I just couldn't, I couldn't handle the constant drama that, that kind of comes along with, with this gravitation towards the controversial. So I just so checked I, and you didn't unfollow me. So I feel a lot better. I was like, oh my God, I bet she unfollowed me. <laughs> Tommy, you're good. Nope. You laugh. So that's, oh, that's kind you know, you're that's one of those kind. people that's, that I, I don't know how you do it, but you engage with people who, um, who you disagree with in a really lighthearted way that is just, GIFs. Yeah. I think it's a, yeah, I'm a little bit lucky that I, that the account has kind of taken on like a, it's just a joke sort of a thing. So I am able to kind of like engage with people in that way, even when it's kind of a really serious topic, which is nice. Yeah. I think, I think that's a really effective way to get your point across humor. Cause you, you don't get people mad. You just, you make your point, you know, they have to get your point if they get your joke. So. And I some people don't get the joke. Though. I was going to say, sometimes I don't always get the joke, but those are when you do weird Catholic Twitter things, Tommy. I'm like, what are you even talking Guilty. about? Guilty. Number two, redirect your anger to reform yourself. Holy smokes. If I could figure this out, that would be really nice. How do we do that? 
I guess it's just when, when you're feeling angry and when I'm feeling angry about a situation, um, you know, when I first joined the convent, I was feeling angry at everyone around me all the time. And I realized it, it was because I was used to surrounding myself with people who I uh, agreed with, who thought the same way as me, who didn't do things that annoyed me. I could kind of construct my own life. Um, and, and then, and then I was plunged in the situation where I was surrounded by people, I mean, kind of like, kind of like a family, but you don't know them as well. So, so it's more infuriating because <laughs> you just don't know these people, they're annoying you and you can't get away from them. Um, but, but what I've learned and, you know, over the years, I, I, my temper has gotten better. And one of the, one of the ways that it's gotten better is that I just start to th say to myself, what am I doing in this situation that's causing this, you know? And that's hard to do because we all like to point fingers and to blame everybody else for everything bad that's going on in, in our lives and in the world, you know? But even in the world, when I see um, something that makes me angry, I just say, where is that in me? Because it's always in me somewhere. And what can I do to reform myself? Because I can't control what's going on outside of me or in the world, but I can can control what's happening inside of me with the grace of God. I can ask for his, him to reform me to make me a better person. That is so, so great. And I, I was sitting here picturing, there has to be a time in a convent when somebody starts singing, like, how do you solve a problem like Teresa, right? And you guys like play that on each other. I mean, you must. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> number three is fast from social media you think that's going to keep us from getting angry you're like you're definitely one. right <laughs> <laughs> yeah i just I, i'm a real believer like some of my sisters don't even agree with me because we're the media nuns and we're supposed to be on media but i'm a real believer in fasting from it because it really helps me to kind of disconnect from the drama because sometimes mm. you know, social media it gets us looped into this continuous drama and arguments and whatever and um and so fasting just helps me to disconnect from that and then i then when i come back and i see other people doing it i'm like oh that's stupid and i'm able to see it because i because i've been away and and i haven't been immersed in it for so long and so it helps me to change my perspective and then of course i get moved in into it again and then i need to fast again but it's <laughs> a little bit better <laughs> I agree. So is that what you, you do that with like self-awareness? Like, okay, it's definitely time for a little fast. <laughs> is that how it works? Well, I, I almost always do it for Lent, but then sometimes when I'm really getting, um, you know, when people are getting in arguments or when I, when I'm finding myself kind of getting, getting into arguments with other people, I just say to myself, okay, this weekend, no social media. Like I need to stop. <laughs> Preach. Yeah, when the Falcons lost the Super Bowl, I had to take a few days off because I was so mad. <laughs> no, I'm not kidding. That's good. That's I'm, I'm, good. I'm really I'm not kidding. I was so I because we were up so far. I was I was so angry. I wanted to break things um during the fourth quarter. I'm not I'm not even kidding. I was so and it's just so dumb because it's sports. And I can say that now because you know we're a month and a half removed, but I was so I was so disappointed and so upset and so I had to take off Twitter because I couldn't handle all the gloats. I was like, I will fight people. I will get in a fight. So I just, I, I took like four days off and it was so, 
it was so lovely. And I've um, had to do that around other things that I just deeply care about um, because I just don't, I'm just not the kind of person that can be like, all right, you're going to ignore it. Because in my mind, if I read it, it festers and I'm like, I really want to write it back. And so, which leads us into your, to your fourth point, like do not respond right away. Number one, yes. But sometimes do not respond. is also just the better way to go. Well, you know, what's funny is, is when, when I, when I stop myself and sometimes on Twitter, especially I will type and then I'll delete and then mm. I'll type and then I'll delete. And cathartic. Then I'll type. It's so <laughs> cathartic. Like five, 10 times. And then, and then I'll be like, stop, just stop, stop, stop. <laughs> and then I go away and then I come back and I do it again, you know, but then sometimes I just don't do it at all. Usually mm-hmm. if, if I've really given it the time, then by the end of it, I'm like, okay, this just isn't worth it. Why? why? <laughs> so, yeah. Do people have a beef with nuns? Like, is, do people like <laughs> come at nuns on social media? I would have thought you guys would just get like prayer bouquets tweeted at you and stuff like that. But are people like, oh, you're, you know, I don't like you because you're in a habit and you represent something. You know, it's funny. I People react to us um, pretty strongly, whether it's positive or negative. Oh. And um, positive, like a lot of people just have, have good memories of nuns. They just see us as kind of, um, they see us as the institution, institutional church, but kind of apart from it. Like they, like people who have problems with the institutional church kind of come to us first and they kind of find us more approachable, but, sure. but, but also being that sign of the institutional church can really set people off. Um, and then I think some Catholics feel like, um, like maybe they've been burned by certain sisters saying certain things that they disagreed with, or I don't know, but sometimes I get this feeling like some Catholics feel like they need to keep us in line, <laughs> you know, so, <laughs> so we get like kind of, <laughs> kind of rulers on the wrists, <laughs> like, okay, you get it back. That's yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and so, sometimes I have I, sometimes I have to just be like, you know, I'm an adult and you're an adult and I know I'm a sister, but that doesn't mean that you can um, <laughs> nag me all the time or, yeah. Not responsible for what they did to you in Catholic school. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, we get that. Number too. five, get to the bottom of your anger. This is such a good thing because we so often don't stop to take a look at what's really going on with ourselves and fix it. So uh, what were you thinking with this one? Yeah, I think a lot of times, at least for me, as as I've noticed my temper getting getting better over the years, is that what I've been doing is I've just been asking Jesus, you know, why am I angry? I'll go to chapel mm. and say, Jesus, why am I angry? And he answers that question really quickly. And sometimes it's really deep insights into things that happened in my childhood or different things that happened that kind of are little wounds that that get touched by different things. And so um, it doesn't mean that we won't get angry, but just to be aware of those things helps us to respond more helpfully to other people. That's amazing. Super fantastic. Jesus actually does have the answers. That's the truth. That's the real yes, truth. The answer. Yeah. We got a couple questions because when we have women religious or any religious for that matter on, people obviously have questions to ask because we don't get to talk to you guys that much in real life, unfortunately. Um, Father Edward Looney from Oshkosh, Wisconsin. I think that's how they, (laughs) I think. Uh, He said, how should we as a church appeal to a generation that rejects many of our moral tenets? Good question, Father. 
That's a really good question. I, you know, I think um, Pope Francis is modeling this for us. And I think that's one of the reasons why he's so confusing to a lot of people. But um, Pope Benedict and John Paul II kind of spoke to an, a, a smaller circle of people. And Pope Francis is has extended that circle. Like when, when he speaks, he very often is speaking to a wider circle of people. And so I think he's modeling for us how, how we can evangelize um, young people, but anyone who isn't necessarily on board with different things, um, especially the moral teachings of the church. And I think Pope Francis, what he has shown us is that we have to lead with other things. Um, we can't lead with those moral issues because we, we're, we're in a world where people just aren't on board with them. And I can relate to that because I wasn't myself when I first um, started coming back to the church. I wasn't on board with the church's teaching on sexuality. I wasn't on board with the church's teaching on homosexuality. I wasn't on board with the church's teaching on birth control, a lot of different things. And so, um, but if, if I had met Christians who just led with that, like you have to be on board with those things. Otherwise, just don't even bother coming back to the church. That's <laughs> not effective. Not effective. <laughs> no. But there are people who think that that's what we need to do. But speaking um, as someone who who was away from the church and came back and was not on board with those things, I think that Pope Francis, what he's showing us is that we have to lead with, with something different, something that the world understands. And then when they get closer, then we help to introduce them to those other, other issues. And um, so I think he's been a great model for us. I think that's why he's a little infuriating sometimes and not always super clear um, because he's speaking to a wider audience. But I, but I understand him because I used to be that person that he's talking to. Yeah, that's fantastic. See, you start with a meme about how you shouldn't use contraception and then you say, no, really, I'm serious. <laughs> <laughs> that's how Tommy does it. You know, so our... Um, uh, you know, our next uh, question is actually one that um, I I know that I've asked um, a nun previously and got the answer to, but because I'm me, I forgot. Um, and so <laughs> our friend in Florida, Hannah Williams, um, who is also obsessed with the song Africa by Toto, um, shout out, Hannah, um, she would like to know, how did you choose your religious name? Um. So my religious name is Alethea, and when I came back to the church, the reason that I came back, um, I was always searching for truth, like in all of those years away from the church, I was still, I was always a searcher, I was always looking for things, not necessarily religious things, but I was looking for the truth, and I found it in Jesus Christ, like he is the truth, and so one of our, um, one of our devotions for the Daughters of St. Paul is Jesus way, truth, and life. And so I knew that I wanted something related to the truth. And so everyone was, everyone was, if, if, if we had had a bet in the convent, they would have totally been like, oh, Teresa is going to be Teresa Veritas, like the, the Latin word for truth. <laughs> but, um, but I went for the Greek word for truth because I, I felt like um, St. Paul spoke Greek. And so it, I, and it's also the word, the actual word in the New Testament. So if you read it in the original Greek, you read Jesus saying, I am the way, I am the Aletheia, I'm the life. And so I I went for Aletheia because I just feel like that's kind of um, something really core to my journey and, and core to my identity as a person. 
That is super cool. Very good. So thank uh, you for sharing. Yeah, thank you. So to piggyback on that though, do, how do you guys pick? Like, um, like are there a, at least for the yeah. daughters of St. Paul? What's what's I don't know the process. I don't know if process is even no. it, but you know what I mean. <laughs> it's like a big bowl with a bunch of like folded up pieces of paper. Yeah, that's totally it, right? <laughs> Over the years, it has changed. So it depends on who you ask, like what generation they're okay. from. Like there, there was a time when it was always Sister Mary, whatever. Like so, Mary was always the name. And then there was a time where you would give three options, and then they would pick one for you. Oh, so okay. I know I knew a sister who really wanted Leo because she loved Pope Leo the Thirteenth, and she got Leah because she had bad handwriting, so they couldn't read her. <laughs> Okay, that's hilarious. <laughs> so, so now, basically, we, we choose what we want, but then we have to go to the provincial and we have to ask her, you know, for permission to use it. So when I went with my name, she was like, you know, nobody's going to be able to pronounce this. And I was like, yeah, I You're like, okay, bring it on. Yeah. It's a good, that's a good lesson in obedience though, right? To be able to have someone be like, nope, your idea is not going to work. Yeah, exactly. And that's, that's one of the more terrifying ones. Cause it's like, well, if she says no, what am I going to do now? <laughs> I don't have a plan B. <laughs> I know, exactly. I did not. All right, Sarah, let's put her on the Catholic hipster hot seat sponsored by St. Lawrence. We'll do a quick one here because we're, we've been talking for a very long time. It's been really fun. Yes. So, um, all right, sister, are you ready? Yes. Okay. Tacos or burritos? Tacos. Oh, she's Very fast. Good. Um, she is fast. Favorite flavor of ice cream? Um, mm, <laughs> coffee Heath. Oh, Ooh, mm, boy! Yeah. You guys are living it up at this convent. <laughs> <laughs> uh, do nuns play cards with each other? And what's the most commonly played card game at the convent? I've played cards once, but I don't. I think. <laughs> uh, do you like to watch sports? And if so, what's your favorite? Um, I like to watch soccer. Oh, okay. Very good, very good. Uh, if you could pick any other color for your religious habit, what would it be? <laughs> well, you know, I want to say white, but that would be really hard to wash. So. <laughs> <laughs> She's practical, people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, so, yes. I'm out of questions appropriate. What's your favorite nuts. pizza topping? Um, mm, I don't know. Artichokes. Wow. You are such an interesting person, sister. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know. I know. Um, I was going to, Should... oh, go, oh ahead. go ahead. I was going to ask who's your other favorite daughter of St. Paul, but that's so wrong. <laughs> oh, like asking a parent what their favorite child is. <laughs> I know. I know. I know. I know. But I, I love, I, I love all of you, but sister Anne is one of my favorites. Oh yeah. She is she awesome. Is great. And you know she's what made great. me think of her? Your otter, your artichoke comment, because she's a foodie. Yeah, she is. She's a total foodie. Yeah, she's yeah, she's so cool. She super prayed for our family. So I'm always grateful to her. Uh, last question. Why should somebody look into mm. becoming a Daughters of St. Paul if they're feeling called to a vocation? Um, well, or who I, should maybe I don't know. <laughs> I, I think, well, I'm a little biased, but I think we're the best order out there because, <laughs> um, because we're just very balanced and um, we have a family atmosphere and there's something just very down to earth, but also holy about our sisters. And so that's what attracted me to, to our order. Also, you don't have to stop using Twitter 
uh, or Instagram or any of that stuff. So that's a pretty good win. Where can people find out more about you, sister? Um, daughtersofstpaul.com is our, our orders. And then, and then you can find my articles on Alatea and then my book, the prodigal you love inviting loved ones back to the church is on Amazon. And she's at pursued by truth on Twitter, a very, very good Catholic Twitter handle. Mm -hmm. Not bad. Good job. Did you get that approved? Does that have to go through the order to your Twitter handle? (laughs) No. Uh, Okay. (laughs) Some of the sisters in charge would be like, what? What's a handle? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it was such a joy to have you on. Thank you so much for carving out the time to join us. It was so nice to meet you over the internet and to to share all of your great knowledge and holiness with the masses. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks so much for inviting me on, you guys. It was awesome. What a great episode. Thank you um, to Sister Teresa for joining. And Tommy, thanks for um, doing your homework and doing all the notes in this one. Um, as always, um, such a pleasure to spend time with you on a Saturday morning. Heck yeah, right back at you. You're great. Sister Teresa's great. All of our listeners are great. Go leave a review. There's only five. You should go leave a review about how great it was to listen to uh, us chat with a nun. And I agree. You know, the Crunch guys have all these reviews and I'm a little jealous. Crunch of the week. Yeah, you yeah. know what? We're going to have a... We're going to start making the Catholic hipster of the week um, uh, on this podcast, too. And not just that's a good idea. Tommy's whatever his whatever podcast, you know, the chimney. Well, <laughs> do the chimney. <laughs> I couldn't remember the name. I had a brain fart. I'm really it's sorry. Obscure. I know you have it's, a cold. It's all good. It's not obscure. I'm just dumb this morning. So anyway, <laughs> um, thanks again, Tommy. Um, and looking forward to speaking with you guys again in two weeks. Yes, if you're bored, go to Twitter and follow Sarah at Catholic Drinky and me at the GH is Silent. And go buy Sarah's book and one day buy the book that Sarah and I wrote with other people someday in the future. Yeah, buy Tommy's book soon. 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 Coming soon. <laughs> to a bookstore near you. <laughs> to a Pauline book. Yeah, exactly. Take care, everybody, and God bless. Well, that's been Oh man, well, you got! Oh, hey, look, we both did it. <laughs> we never both do it. We, we usually sit both do it. That was so great. That can be. Oh well, we got our um, outtake anyway. Um, <laughs> Thank you for listening to Breadbox Media. Find more about us at breadboxmedia.com.